0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast.
1: Be averted. That's good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we ask that this morning as we open up the scripture, that you will enlighten our minds, enlighten our hearts, But that we can walk away knowing something more about you, being in closer contact with you, becoming more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 1844, preacher by the name of Samuel S. Snow predicted that Jesus was going to return. Thousands of people gave away all their possessions, only to be surprised that it didn't happen. It was known as the Great Disappointment. In 1806, news of Christ's return came by means of a hen, yes, a chicken, that was laying eggs. These eggs had a message on them that said, Christ is coming. People came from all over to see these eggs, to which they found a young boy hidden in a corner with a marker writing, Christ is coming on the eggs. Dorothy Martin, Chicago housewife, predicted the end of the world would come December 21st of 1954 In his book in 1996 The Planet Earth 2000 AD how Lindsay who has made quite a bit of money predicting the return of Christ several different times put out in his book that there's no sense in making any plans after the year 2000 because Jesus will have came back by then Pat Robertson, 700 Club. If you come from where I come from, that's Channel 17. Channel 17. Said, I guarantee you, by October or November of 1982, Jesus will be back. October, November. Not sure. October, November. The head of the Family Radio Broadcasting Network, Harold Camping, predicted through 2,000 billboards worldwide that on May 2nd, I mean May 21st of 2011, Jesus would return. People liquidated everything, bought billboards for everywhere. Guess what? Didn't happen. We're studying the book of Daniel um, And anytime you start talking about the book of Daniel People start getting a little weird People start getting a little little shifty You know They want to start calling you names Asking you questions Are you pre-millennial? Do you believe in the rapture or not? they will see the tribulation? And you're like I, I would, It was just Next Like I was going through the Bible and that's the one that's next. I don't know any of those names. But that book right there, it's got a lot of crazy stuff in it. We're in chapter eight. I'm in over my head with this. I promise you that. I can promise you this though, for certain. I've got my own predictions. I've got my own predictions. After years and years and years of being in church and after studying this passage all week, I've got a prediction. In fact, I'm going to stick close to home. I'm just going to stick with what Jesus said about the prediction. It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You know what my prediction is? That no matter what happens tomorrow, you better be about the king's business. That's what the church does. Daniel chapter 8, let's get to work. I want to read you a part of this story, and I also want to tell you a part of this story There's a little bit of of history involved in this, so if the room's too warm and you need to just kind of cash out, nap out for a minute, um, shame on you. Shame on you. Daniel chapter 8. In the third year of King Belshazzar's reign, I, Daniel, had a vision after one that had already appeared to me. In my vision, I saw myself in the citadel of Susa in the province of Elam. It's modern-day Iran. In the vision, I was beside the Ulay Canal. I looked up, and there before me was a ram with two horns. Standing beside the canal, and the horns were long. And the horn, one horn was longer than the other horn, but it grew later. I watched the ram, and he charged toward the west and the north and the south. No animal could stand against him. None could rescue from his power. He did as he pleased. And this ram with the uneven horns became great. As I was thinking about this, Daniel says, suddenly a goat with a prominent horn between his eyes. It's a unigot. Came from the west, crossing the whole earth without touching the ground. Flying, Unigot. He came toward the two-horned ram that I had seen standing beside the canal and charged at him in great rage. I saw him attack the ram furiously, striking the ram and shattering his two horns. The ram was powerless to stand against him. The goat knocked him to the ground and trampled on him and none could rescue the ram, From his power. The goat became great. But at the height of his power. His large horn was broken off. And in its place. Four prominent horns grew. Well let's pray. And go home. What in the world. What in the world do you do with that? What do you do with that? Daniel just puts it in there. Here you go. Here's a story for you. Flying unigo, ram with uneven horns. The flying one always wins. <laughs> Smashes the ram. What in the world are we talking about? I don't know if you realize this or not. There's a couple things that happen in the book of Daniel, right around chapter 7 and chapter 8. Chapter Daniel 1 through 7. Is everybody else having dreams and Daniel is the interpreter? From chapter 8 on, now Daniel's having dreams and visions, and angels show up and they begin to tell Daniel what these dreams mean because Daniel's like, You got me. You got me on this. There's another thing weird that happens right here, too. Daniel had written all of this in Aramaic from chapter 1 to chapter 7. He'd been writing this in Aramaic. Then when you get to chapter 8, everything's now in Hebrew. That's interesting. I'll give, you, I'll give you just a brief illustration. When I have a conversation with my wife, the text messages I send her are different than the text messages that I send Luke. You. <laughs> you're, well, you're welcome. Way different. To my wife, it's different. My wife doesn't care about punctuation or grammar. I just like put in letters and crazy stuff. With like a gif and some weird emoji. You know? That's it. When I send a text message to Luke, I have to use Grammarly. You know why? Because he's a poindexter. That's why. So because I send him these, I try to be very careful. Don't send something stupid that that doesn't make sense because he's going to want to know the details, and he's going to text me back and say, so what did you mean about this? And I'm going to say, I didn't mean to write seesaw. I meant to write sawzall, you know? (laughs) What are you doing on a seesaw, Jared? I don't know. I wasn't. I was on a sawzall, and I wasn't even on a sawzall. I was looking for a sawzall. My wife would be like, well, apparently he hadn't taken any medicine today. He's now riding on a Sawzall or a Seesaw. We don't know. Different. When I write to Luke, it's different. When I write to my wife, it's different. When Daniel is talking and doing all this stuff for the king, he writes this for the king. But now he's writing Hebrew. You know who Hebrew's for? God's people. This is for God's people. God's people. You know what they deserve? A story about a unigote and a ram. What do you do with this? Thankfully, Scripture doesn't leave us hanging. Let me read you verse 9. We'll start there. Chapter 8, verse 9. Out of one of them came another horn, which started small, but grew in power to the south and to the east, and then toward the beautiful land. It grew until it reached the host of heavens, and it threw some of the starry hosts down to earth and trampled on them. It set itself up to be the great, to be as great as the prince of the host. It took away the daily sacrifice from him and the place of his sanctuary was brought low because of the rebellion the host of the saints and the daily sacrifice were given over to it. It prospered this horn in everything it did. And truth was thrown to the ground. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said, How long will it take for the vision to be fulfilled, the vision concerning the daily sacrifice, the rebellion that causes desolation, and the surrender of the sanctuary, and that the host will be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, It will take 2,300 evenings and mornings. Then the sanctuary will be reconsecrated. no more helpful than the first half. But then there's an interpretation. Verse 15, While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, he's, we're not alone, you see? Daniel's like, I'm in the middle of this and I don't understand it. You're, never mind, I'll come back. And there before me stood one who looked like a man and I heard the man's voice from Ulay calling Gabriel. Tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and I fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I'm going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath. Because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. Here it comes. The two-horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat with the one horn is the king of Greece. And the large horn between his eyes is the first king. We talked about this last week when we were talking about the kings. So the Medes and the Persians. We have a ram who's got these horns. Do you remember there was a story before this? There was another vision And there was a bear. Do you remember the bear? And it had the three ribs in its mouth. You go back to Daniel 7, it'll talk about it. And the bear was raised up on one side. Every time we see something about this thing, it seems as if something's a little out of balance. And I'll tell you what that is. It's the Medes and the Persians. The Medes were powerful, but the Persians were more powerful. And they dominated for a time. And so now we've got this ram with these horns, the Medes and the Persians. It represents the Medes and the Persians. The angel tells Daniel, that's the Medes and the Persians. That's the kingdom that's coming through. Well, who's the flying unigote? That's Greece. And they're coming in all their power. Do you know one of the identifying marks of Alexander the Great's global domination was how swift it was Do you remember? If we go back, you look at it. He was represented as a leopard in the last vision and had how many wings? Four wings. Greece was recognized as this four-winged, flying leopard, just razor-sharp teeth, fast predator. And this here covered the whole earth and never touched the ground. Alexander the Great was like 22 years old. I don't know what you got done by the time you were 22, but I bet you didn't conquer the earth. What's your problem, right? Pick it up, stop slacking. Alexander the Great, 22, global domination? Here he is, right here in the story. Who's the shaggy unicorn? the flying shaggy? The horn, the first horn, that's Alexander the Great. We talked about this. Alexander the Great didn't have an heir. So you know what happened to his kingdom? History tells us it was broke down and handed over to four generals. Did you see what happened? The horn breaks and what happened is replaced with four. Here's what else is cool. Do you know when Daniel had this vision? Like 550, 551 B.C. Do you know when Alexander the Great showed up? Like 331 B.C. 200 years what does it even matter Daniel's in exile in Babylon getting a message about Alexander the Great who's not coming for 200 years it's not going to affect him one single bit it's not going to affect Daniel's life one single bit Daniel's probably around 65 years old right now and he gets this message and he thinks 200 years from now does that affect me Let me ask you a personal question. How many times do we encounter a situation where we could get involved, maybe should get involved, maybe feel a little tug at our heart that we should maybe contribute on some level, and we go, doesn't affect me. Here's Daniel taking notes about a thing that's going to happen 200 years ago that he can't get his brain around. I don't know what's about to happen, but there's some goats, all right? Look, I go, cosmic petting zoo. You're going to need to know this. And he brings it to the people. Something else that happens. So, the four kingdoms that show up, they broke up, all of the known world is Alexander the Great. He dies. Did you notice what this says? Verse 8, chapter 8, verse 8. The goat became very great, but at the height of his power, his large horn was broken off. Do you know how old Alexander the Great was when he died? 32, 33. At the height of his power, global domination. Catches a bad case of something. Doubles over and dies. At the height of his power, we know exactly who this is talking about. Now, for us, we look back on it like, what's that even matter? But if you're Daniel, you're going 200 years from now, the world's about to get conquered. I got some business. I got some stuff I need to spread around a little bit. I got some things I need to let other people know about. Listen, when you see this happen, it's going to be okay. It's not going to look okay, but it's going to be okay. Those four kingdoms, I don't know if you're aware of this, but sometimes people who get power in their hands... Tend to fight i don't know if you ever pay attention to the news somebody gets a little bit of juice on one side and, oh we're gonna leverage the dog out of her because of her servers yeah but did you hear what he said and did you hear what he said and what he said and what he said and what he said and servers and servers it's like my 2016 and 17 was like servers 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 Here's this information, and it's coming down the line. And these guys with power begin to fight against each other. And they fight for a little while, and it's a pretty arduous time. And then something happens. From the kingdom of Seleucia, something happens. A guy comes to reign. Do you want to know what year? Around 160, maybe 170 BC. Alexander the Great's gone. Kingdoms have have dissolved. Rome has kind of come along and kind of become a global superpower. But then something else happens. Another man comes to power. This guy's name is Antiochus Epiphanes. He gave himself that name. Antiochus Epiphanes. You know what it means? He was really a humble guy. It means, me, as if God's manifested in front of you. Super humble guy The nicest He was a psychopath He was an absolute This guy's a psychopath Antiochus Epiphanes In fact They gave him a nickname Antioch Epimenes. Oh If you were Greek Then you would be laughing At this point Because here's what it is I am Antiochus God manifest And they said You're Antiochus The madman Apemenes, That was their name. Of course, they didn't say it to his face. Evan. And he did some really crazy stuff. In fact, let me read you some of this stuff here that's going to happen. Verse 9. Out of 1 came this other horn, which started small but grew in power to the south and then to the east and toward the beautiful land. And it grew until it reached the host of heavens. And it threw some from the starry host down to earth and trampled on them it set itself up to be the great it set itself up to be as great as the prince of the host it took away the daily sacrifice from him and the place the sanctuary was brought low Do you know what Antiochus Epiphanes did once he kind of came through and started ruling everything Here's what he did First he changed his name to God Manifest he set himself up to be as great as the host the prince of hosts You know what else he did He brought the sanctuary low This is called Hellenization So he moves in And the first thing that he does Is he says No more circumcision And so Jews are like Like that's how That's how Like that's one of our things It's kind of like If you lived through Like the 90s You got a tribal tattoo If you lived through (laughs) If you lived through This time period We're talking The Jews were circumcised And he says No more We're going to start adopting some Greek culture in here. Oh, and by the way, no more daily sacrifices, which is exactly what scripture said, no more daily sacrifices. And he went further, and he brought the sanctuary low. He showed up with a statue of Zeus, and he said, I want everybody worshiping Zeus in the temple from this point forward. And they're like, "Mm, no can do. He brought some other stuff in, and he said, hey, I want you to uh, sacrifice these things and he was talking to one guy, and the priest, the lead priest guy, was like, That's not happening. You have to kill me first. And the younger priest stepped out and said, I'll do it. And then the older priest pulled the dagger and killed the younger priest and said, Ain't none of us going to do it. The Maccabean revolt. Antiochus Epiphanes goes and slaughters a pig and takes it inside the temple and throws its guts everywhere inside the temple and brought the sanctuary low. Outlawed worship, outlawed circumcision, defiled the temple. This is the worst of the worst of the worst that the Jews will ever see. Hasn't even happened yet. Hasn't even happened yet. Daniel is told this is what's about to happen. Write this down. They're going to need to know it. It's coming and it's going to be bad. Antiochus Epiphanes comes through, tears the place to pieces. There's this little line in here. Verse 25. He will cause deceit to prosper, and he will consider himself superior when they feel secure. He will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. Do you know what happened to Antiochus Epiphanes? The weirdest thing. He just fell dead. Just fell right down dead. Just coming along, doing a thing. And uh, time's up. Time's up. Not by human hand. This guy's been at war for who knows how long. He caused enemies everywhere. And then he's walking along. Isn't it ironic? Can you hear the song? Here it comes. And he just falls down and dies. What in the world are we supposed to do with this information? Look what it says, verse 26. The vision of the evenings and the mornings has been given to you is true. But seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was exhausted and lay ill for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding Love it Love it Tell you why I love it There's this I had to write these deals down so that I wouldn't forget Let me read these to you There's so many prophecies that are lined out right here I just, I thought Here's what we learned from Daniel chapter 7 Daniel chapter 8 the Medes and the Persian Empire, they're going to come through. We knew that was happening before it happened. God told everybody. Alexander the Great, do you remember Nebuchadnezzar's dream about the head was Nebuchadnezzar and then the next part was the silver with two arms. Interesting, two arms, Medes and Persians. We knew that was going to happen. We knew Alexander the Great was going to show up. That's foretold. As a bear and then later, I mean as a a leopard and then later as a, is a, a goat with one horn. Says he's gonna die early. You know what that means, don't you? Four for four on the predictions. God's four for four on the predictions. Take him to the horse track. You know what I mean? Four kingdoms out of the one that was predicted and it happened. That the one would rise and be more powerful, but not as powerful. It would rise and would be powerful, but It wasn't like Alexander the Great, but what he would do was going to be ugly. Antiochus Epiphanes. Seven, where he would attack. Do you know where he attacked? Exactly what scripture says. Where did this one horn roam? Oh, it went south. It went east. It went north. If you look at the Seleucid kingdom, that's exactly where it is. He would stop temple worship, that he would kill God's people, and that the temple would be defiled. You know what that is? That's 10 for 10 on predictions. Anybody else can beat it? Anybody else got any other predictions you want to make? How Lindsey's done it like nine times, and he's like zero for nine. Listen, there was a guy that wrote a book in 1987, and it was 87 reasons Jesus is going to come back in 1987, reprinted in 1988 as 88 reasons why Jesus is going to come back in 1988. People bought him. What kind of predictions you got? Got any? What are you supposed to do? God is 10 for 10, and that's just like, the, just this one chapter, 10 for 10. You know me, I'm not much of a sports guy, but there's some things I know. I know a batting average of 350, is incredible. Ted Williams at the height, what, 406, Luke? Ted Williams 406 meaning six times out of ten he didn't do very good 406 and we look at him and go that's incredible God's 10 for 10 batting a thousand on chapter eight. Scripture just keeps unfolding here's what's crazy there's these moments that happen throughout history to where we go this is what scripture says and it, an archaeologist and, and everybody, everybody around says, the Discovery Channel, they say, um, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. That doesn't even make any sense. That guy's not even, a, it's not even a name that shows up on the radar. And in archaeology, some guy comes out with some spectacles, dusting off something. <laughs> huh, look what this says. That's the guy we were talking about. You know, they've been saying this forever. And it tells the whole story. Look, just because archaeology is coming to the story late doesn't mean God's word ain't true. It's true. It's always true. It's perfect. It's inerrant. It's living and breathing. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And why in the world do we have it? Because of God's love for us. You want to know what's happening? want to know what's going to happen? Daniel, this is going to be important for you and all your people. So here you go. Here's 400 years into the future. Wouldn't you love to have a little dose of that? Yeah, give me a, give me what's happening until Thursday. That'd be awesome. like to see some of that coming rolling around the bend, you know? Here's 400 years. Here's what you're going to see happen in 400 years. And Daniel takes pen to pad and begins to put it out there and say, okay. I don't know what God's people are going to be about. Chapter 9 begins, Daniel immediately begins to pray and fast. Why? Because God's people are going to need some prayer if they're going to go through this. God's people are going to need some help. Going to need to be some angels brought in on this deal. I mean, some serious warrior type, not the cute ones with the harps, talking ones with swords. We're going to need them. We're going to need the Holy Spirit. we need Jesus to show up with some knuckles on, you know, we need some I don't know what's ahead for you here's what it tells me God's word is always right it's always right it's 10 for 10 out of this chapter here's the next thing it tells me it's that God's eyes are always on us always on us and he didn't have to tell his people that He could have looked at him like some dads do, you know? Buck up. Rub a little dirt in it. Stop your belly aching. Get up. Move. Not our guy. Not our father. Our father steps in and says this. You're going to need to know a few things. It's going to get a little hairy. I'm still with you. I'm still with you. I'm with, you, I'm with 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 you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm standing right beside you. I'll be there. Here's the third thing he tells me: God's people must be about the king's business. Daniel says he wakes from this vision. He's sick. He's sick. He just had this out-of-body. Experience And an angel showed up Touched him When angels I don't know if you know this or not But when angels show up in your life Uh oh When angels show up in your life Do you know what happens? You are tapped immediately Just sucks the life out of you I'm not speaking from experience I'm telling you This is what you see in scripture Thank you sir I appreciate it This is what you see in scripture Every time somebody gets close to an angel It's just it's like Uh oh Uh And they all say the same thing Don't be afraid Like too late way too late already there and Daniel gets this front row picture of what's happening in the next 400 years and he says so how do you feel about that Daniel's like got a twitch you know Like, I don't even know man my brain is fried on this deal There's something about it that brings you peace, huh? There's something about this that brings me peace. Look, I ain't had no visions about the future. I don't have any, I don't know anything apocalyptical that's gonna pop off here anytime soon. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. But I know this. You know who's explaining this stuff to Daniel? Angels. God's nearby. It's almost like, hey, I want to show you something. This is a little spot. There's going to be a little hard spot in your life that's coming up. It's going to be kind of hairy. It's going to be bad, really, for a lot of people. It's going to be tough. But you see who's telling you the story, right? You know who tells the story, right? Who writes history? Victors write history. Who writes this? The victors, that's us. What do we do in the meantime? Keep ourselves busy about the king's business. Daniel says he wakes up from there, he's sicker than a dog, he can't hardly function, and he says, so I immediately return to the king's business. Daniel's working for a tyrant king. Maybe you do too. Maybe you work for a tyrant king too. A godless supervisor who stands over you and just rails against you and what you believe, and God... And maybe that's what you endure on a daily basis. If so, man, keep it up. Keep it up. Keep being a light. Because I got news for you. We're the ones telling the story. Our team's the one that's telling the story. That means we win. I don't know what's going to happen in your life in the next few days. I can tell you this. We win. If you stick close to Jesus and you're about the king's business, we win. I'll tell you something else about the king's business there's this gal here at church this morning who is about the king's business and she is going to be baptized here in just a minute because there's something that's gone on in her life to where she says you know what I need to do something about my life I need to take the next step that's king's business I don't know about you. I don't know where you're at with that, but maybe that's your next step. Maybe that's your King's business. What's He calling for you? Let me introduce you to this gal. Where'd you go? There you are. Come on up. This is Haley Ellison. She doesn't want to talk about anything. So how old are you? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. This is Haley Ellison. She comes this morning to be baptized, so I'm going to take her confession of faith, and then. We'll uh, get to it, all right? Repeat after me: I believe. I believe. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. The Son of the Living God. The Son of the Living God. Well done. Go. <laughs> Good job. My stuff in there too. You want to go to the other side? Okay. I'll get mine. All right. I'm gonna get my stuff and go to the other one.
0: So I'm the guy that just gets to buy some time. (coughs) But um, we were playing, our, uh, our 17 and under Junior Legion team was playing at the state tournament this week. And so we were up in Topeka, and we were playing a game. My days are mixed up. Nathan, what day was it we had to call at first base? Thursday's game? Thursday's game. So we're in this game, we're down. And there's a play at first base where we're on the field, and my son's playing first base. And there's a runner on third with two outs, and it's a ground ball, and our guy fields it, throws at the first base, but throws kind of off the bag a little bit. And my son stretches out, catches a ball from my perspective, which is the correct perspective. His foot was still on the corner of the base as he received the ball, and then he came off the base. And the umpire on the field called the runner out. (coughs) Called it out for the third out of the inning. Both teams go to the dugouts. Both teams leave the field, except for the runner on first base. He stayed and his coach came out across the field and came over and talked to the uh, first base umpire. The first base umpire went and talked to, to the home plate umpire. They got together and they talked for a little bit, and then they called the runner safe and put everybody back on the field, and the runner from third scored because the coach had come to the official and asked for an appeal. And when he asked for an appeal, he got a second opinion from the other umpire. It was the wrong opinion, but he got a second opinion from the other umpire. And the run was allowed to score. Now, side note, that one run that we gave up there kept us from being the number one seed. It bumped us to the number two seed by one run. Uh, I'm not bitter about that. (laughs) Um, The point is, he made a request, an appeal. And this scripture I'm going to read to you uh, uses that same word if we look at it in the original language. Here's what it says in 1 Peter about baptism. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's talking about Noah and his family being saved through the flood, that the water preserved the righteous. And then in verse 21 he says, And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. It's not the removal of dirt from the body, but it is the pledge of a good conscience toward God. And that word pledge... In the original language, in the Greek, actually is the word inquiry or request or appeal. That this baptism saves you now as an appeal for a clean conscience before God. That you make a request for a second opinion. A new start. That's what this baptism is. Everyone who is in Christ is made new through this appeal. For God's second opinion, and His opinion is right, even though the umpires are mostly wrong. Here's how it actually saves you. The very next line says this. Are you waiting on me still? Okay. Here's the next line. <laughs> Here's the important part, though. As it finishes this thought, it baptism saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The dead becomes alive because of the resurrection of Jesus. That's what we get to witness this morning.
1: Because of your confession of faith, and I appreciate so much your example to your family, um, to baptize you in the
0: Thank you for being here this morning. Let's take time to close in prayer and you will be dismissed. Lord, we thank you so much uh, that you have everything in your hands, in your control. We so often lose sight of what's going to happen today. Uh, we, we so often look, look terrified upon what's going to happen tomorrow and our future. And Lord, help us to have faith that you have this in control, even when we don't know where we're going or what we're doing or how we're going to make it. Lord, help us to rely on you to rely on the hope that we have through Jesus Christ, that, that outwardly we may be wasting away, but inwardly we are made new day by day through Jesus. We thank you for the, the opportunity to witness this new life this morning, and we thank you for Haley and her decision to follow you, Lord. Help us all to leave this place to follow you with our lives for the rest of our days. We pray this in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. George Smith.